Um, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 3 today. So um, my name is Dustin. This is my wife, Carrie. She's fantastic. If you have not met her, she's way, way cool. You should meet her. Uh, and yeah, you're, you're pretty amazing. And, um, and so me and her, I got two little girls, Abby and Zoe, who uh, sometimes like to sing and most of the time like to play during worship, but we're working on that. Uh, but we really enjoy watching them and trying to keep them quiet at the same time. Um, we've been here about six months, and I go to church here, and um, I'm thrilled to talk to you a little bit about the Proverbs this morning. Um, over the past three weeks, we've been tromping through the Proverbs, starting in chapter one, uh, first week, then chapter two. Uh, Kieran hit on um, the first part of chapter three last week. We're going to finish that out today. Um, and what's interesting about the first three chapters of Proverbs is the first week is what is wisdom? The second week is how to pursue wisdom. And this week is why pursue wisdom. And so as we read through this and, and talk through some of this, you're going to see that uh, there's a lot of benefits for wisdom. Um, and you're going to see that if we walk wisely, there's uh, certain results that probably are going to happen. Uh, not always do they happen. These aren't, this isn't a list of uh, like a formula that if you apply A, then B is sure to happen. Uh, but it's, it's more of a, if you apply A, then probably the probable outcome is that B will happen sometime down the road, hopefully, which is not as fun as you might imagine because you're going, I want instant results. Like I put the stuff in the microwave and it comes out hot. And if it comes out cold, I get frustrated that I have to put it back in for another minute. Maybe that's just me. It might be Ameri Americanism, which I'll make fun of three more times during the sermon. You'll have to give me grace for that. So um, we're going to work through this. And what you're going to find is that as the proverb kind of works through, it's going to say some benefits that you get from walking in wisdom. Um, and it's going to stem towards two different areas. So uh, let's read the first four verses together. It says this, My son, do not forget my teaching. But let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And then verse 4, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. And then success there, it's success in the ESV, but it could actually be translated uh, reputation or repute. So you'll find good favor and, and reputation in the sight of God and men. And really this chapter capitulates on that verse. Like that verse explains the rest of the chapter. And so what you're going to find is uh, he's then going to go into four ways that we can act wisely towards God in the next seven verses. And then at the end of the chapter, he's going to go into three ways that we can act wisely towards people. And then in the middle, he's going to have this kind of exaltation of why Wisdom is fantastic. And all throughout, he's going to be going, okay, act wisely here because this is a probable outcome. Act wisely here because this is a probable outcome. And you can go through and see all of the probable outcomes. Um, and so my, my thrust is going to be from uh, these uh, first seven verses, the last uh, nine verses, ten verses, and then we're going to get into the middle, and then uh, we'll end there. So um, four reasons that we act wisely, or how we act wisely towards God. Look at verse 5. Um, Kieran preached about this last week. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's one way that we act wisely towards God. Verse 7 uh, says, fear the Lord. That's another way that we act 
wisely towards God. Verse 9, honor the Lord. And then verse 11, do not despise the Lord's discipline. And so he's giving you four ways that we act wisely towards God. And here's what he says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, verse 5, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And he says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce, and then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. And then, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline in verse 11 or be weary of his reproof. And then here's why. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. And so uh, he says here's four ways that you can act wisely towards God. Trust him, fear him, honor him, and don't run from him when he disciplines you because he loves you as a father loves his son and, and, and delights in his son. And so um, trust in the Lord with all your heart. We covered that last week. Uh, to trust in God is to, is to go, okay, God, you've got this. Regardless of what I see and what I, what I see around me, I'm going to trust in the fact that you're God, that you're in control, and that you said certain things that I can rely on. I'm going to trust in you. Um, fear the Lord is, and turn away from evil. This is the idea that if we're to act wisely towards God and fear him, that when we are desirous to do evil things, that we remember, oh yeah, God's watching me. That he's there, that he knows what's going on, and that he's just. That, that there is consequences for um, how we interact in our daily lives. And so we live in a, a lifestyle that goes, man, God's real. And he really is big. And he really does care about justice. And so fear the Lord. Honor the Lord is about um, our wealth. It's about, it's about more than our wealth, though. It's about our time, treasure, and talent. To go, look, hey, God, you're so big and so holy that when I say that you're God, what I'm saying is that I'm not God. And so my whole life, then, I'm going to set before you. And I'm going to go, look, Father, um, here's my money. Here's my time. Here's my abilities. Take it and use it however you want to. Which, yeah, that's really tough, actually. To honor the Lord with everything and, um, and turn to him with those things and to go, God, you're God of everything. Take all of me and all that that entails. And then the last thing, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Um, as we go through life, we're going to find that there's going to be times that God's going to come and say, all right, hey, where are you, what are you doing over there? Um, like all the time. Like I get that all the time. Maybe you're better than me and walk more wisely than I do, and that's probably true. Uh, but with God, you're going to find that he's consistently coming and going, hey, come back to me. Where, where are you going? Why are you over there? What are you doing over there? Um, my daughter's, we have this green out inside of our home. It's this big, big green field. And there's houses all the way around it. And there's a road around, around the park. And, um, and so we've been teaching our daughters recently what a danger line is. That basically you can go up to this point, but then it's a danger line. I need you to stop when you get to that point and don't cross over because if you cross over, bad things might happen. And, of course, Abby is our five-year-old. She kind of gets it, and she stops at the danger line. Zoe, our three-year-old, she might get it, but she doesn't care what I say. Uh, she's, she's very ambitious and wants to do her own thing. And so I found myself on two occasions 
uh, standing on the field, and the girls are running around, and all of a sudden, Zoe gets fixated on running to our house and will run towards the street, and I'm standing in the middle of the field with nothing that I can do and screaming at her to stop before she passes the danger line. And one time, she didn't stop. She ran across the danger line, and I, I was in this conversation with this dad, and I was like, oh, my goodness, if I was not in this conversation right now, my daughter would be in so much trouble because I love her and I want her safety. And so uh, she runs down the street and this car stops. And then the guy in the car, I ran over there. The guy in the car looks at me like, can't you control your daughter? And I'm like, I'm teaching him the danger line. Like, come on, like what else can you do? Um, uh, I, felt, I, felt, uh, I felt horrible. But, um, but that's, that's God with us. That he's going, look, there's, there's danger lines that I'm going, look, if you cross this, the consequences of that are really bad. So I'm pleading with you, don't step over this line because I love you. And if you step over the line, sometimes we get in trouble for that, right? And it's not because God is angry, but it's because he loves you and is for you and cares about you. And so, um, and so these are four ways that, that Solomon is saying, look, if you walk in these ways towards God, then you're going to act wisely towards him. And um, we'll talk about some of the probable outcomes in a second. Let's jump over to verse 30, verse 27. It says this, says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Yeah. Uh, verse 29, do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man or for, no, for no reason when he has done you no harm. And then verse 20, or 31, do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. So basically what Solomon is saying here is, look, I want you to have a good reputation with God and with man. Here's four ways to have a good reputation with God. Here's three ways how to have a good reputation with man. And what he's saying here is, is number one, do not repay, or I'm sorry, do repay your needy neighbor. Like, take care of the people around you that are needy. Take care of them. Number two is, do not harm, verse 29, do not harm uh, or plan harm against your innocent neighbor. So the person that's living beside you, the person, like, don't be wicked towards them. Like, I know this is pretty self-explanatory. Like, of course, why would anybody want to act wickedly towards their neighbor? But, um, but somebody does, right? Or you wouldn't say it. Don't think evil about your neighbor. And then the third thing is, um, do not envy your wicked neighbor. Like, don't look at your wicked neighbor and go, wow, it must be great. Uh, he's going and doing the most horrible things, horrific things, and yet he's thriving. And so, I, God, when are you going to give him justice? Don't envy the wicked neighbor who you see thriving. And he goes on to explain why. He says this, uh, verse 32. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. And then toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. So um, Solomon's saying, look, don't act and envy your evil neighbor because um, it's better to be with, the God, with God and not have what the wicked have than to be wicked and not have God, right? He's saying, look, if you have God, then you get these benefits. All right, so verse 4, so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Uh, how to find 
favor with God. Here's four ways. Trust in the Lord, fear the Lord, honor the Lord, don't despise the Lord's discipline, and with man, uh, do not withhold good from, from people around you, do not plant evil against the people around you, and do not envy the wicked around you. All right? That's how it's broken down. Now, we've covered the end sections. Let's jump to verse 13. What Solomon's going to do here is he's going to go into reason after reason after reason of why we should desire wisdom. All right? And um, again, the Proverbs are, are really weird. They're, they're sayings. Can you say that about the Proverbs if you're preaching them? Uh, the sayings are, are really good, and they're, they're right, and they honor God, and they're where God wants us. But the outcomes that it gives, we don't always receive those outcomes, right? Um, and so, uh, so it might be that, uh, that you walk perfectly towards the Lord and that you never gain any increase of wealth here in this life, all right? Um, that might be that way, even though the scriptures are saying, look, if, if you walk this way, then most likely this is going to be the probable outcome. It's not always that way. So we can't look at this and go, these are promises, but these are actually good results that could take place. So as I read through this, and you're going, all right, sweet. I want wisdom because then I get that. All right, just know that you might not get that. All right, it's just a probable outcome. So here's what it says. Verse 13, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth, and by understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down their dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. And then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you won't be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden tear or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. So you can see as you read through there, these these things, these results that could come from following wisdom, that you'll gain um, profit, that you'll live long life, that you'll have access to the tree of life, that you'll sleep soundly, that um, you won't stumble, that you don't have to worry uh, when, when the wicked are falling around you, that you can still stay standing. All these kinds of things uh, are a result, could be a result, of following in ways of wisdom. And so Solomon's going, look, son, follow in my wisdom and these are some of the probable results. And that's good. I, I think that, just like Mark was saying, wisdom is good for us. Wisdom is a good pursuit for us. And if we never knew God but still pursued after wisdom, which would be challenging because the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God, um, if we pursued, though, after wisdom and some of these sayings, we would still have benefits most likely from pursuing it. But here's what I want to talk about for this last part. Wisdom is really good, but Jesus is better. He's a better pursuit for us. Um, we read Colossians that says 
that Jesus is, um, that in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. Let me talk about why Jesus is better. Jesus is better for, I'll give you three reasons. Jesus is better because he gives you promises, definitely not probable outcomes. Wisdom says, hey, look, do these things and you might get this. Jesus says, do these things and I guarantee these things, these results. Jesus is better because he gives us the benefits of wisdom and calls us to act wisely from them. Wisdom says, act this way and you'll get the benefits. So Jesus comes and he lives a life that's perfect. He walks in complete wisdom. And in that, he's, he's living that out. And at the cross, what happens is he gives us the results of wisdom so that we become as though we lived wisely. And then he says, all right, I've given you what I've lived on your behalf, and I've exchanged that for something else, the penalty of our foolishness. And now I want you to go live that out and walk that out. And wisdom here in the Proverbs, wisdom says, look, act this way and you might get these results. Jesus says, I've already got the results for you. Now go live it out. See the difference? It's subtle, but it's actually a huge deal. So um, if you've read the Proverbs before or if you've been going through this and your response is to go, oh, gosh, I'm not trusting in the Lord the best that I could. I don't fear the Lord always. I don't honor the Lord always. Sometimes I do envy wicked people. Sometimes I do plan harm against my neighbors. Then, um, and then you feel condemned in that. The scriptures would tell us that in Christ, when we believe in him, the condemnation is gone. And we get the result of, as if we had lived that life that Jesus lived. So Jesus is better than Pursuing Christ is better than pursuing wisdom because we get the results and then we live from that versus living to it. And then this, Jesus is better because he pays the penalty of the fool. He becomes foolish for us to give us the benefit of the wise. So Jesus comes. Like some of the results, let me, let me show it to you this way. If you were to, to kind of take a few verses, look at verse 10. Um, the result of living wisely in verse 10, let's start with verse 8. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. If you live wisely, you'll have this. You'll have healing and refreshment to your bones. Um, verse 10, if you live wisely before the Lord, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Okay? I want to make a joke every time I, I see that vats bursting with wine. Like, who in here is like, I really need some vats bursting with wine. Um, but... That's what you get. Um, it's figure of speech, you know. And then uh, verse 12, for the Lord reproves whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. So, um, so Jesus, though, if you read through, even though he was wiser than Solomon because he was God come down in the flesh and lived a perfect life on our behalf, he got the results of the foolish person because the opposite of what the wise get is you will not have healing for your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Jesus experienced that. The scriptures tell us that even though he was wise and lived perfect life, that on the cross his bones were pulled out of joint. He didn't have healing and refreshment to his bones. The scriptures say that even though Jesus lived in, in perfect honor to the Lord um, and, and left everything and lived a perfect life, his barns were not filled with plenty. In fact, Jesus said, I don't even have a place to lay my head. He became he had the result of a foolish person. 
and lastly, um, just from this, and we could go through all these and show you this, uh, Jesus experienced the wrath of God, not the delight of God, even though he's the only one who deserved the delight of God. And so at the cross, the wrath is poured down on Christ. Um, the, the sky turns black, um, and Jesus cries out from the cross, God, why have you forsaken me? This isn't the, the loving father coming and, and delighting in the son. This is God turning his back because Jesus was going to take the penalty that we deserve for our foolishness and become a fool himself to pay that price for us so that he might make us wise and give us the benefits of wisdom. So now um, in Christ, the scriptures tell us that we have healing, that, that by Christ's stripes, we now receive healing from our sins. And the scriptures also tell us that because Christ became poor, he gave us riches. Now we are lavished with riches uh, in Christ, and that's going to be given to us um, in the next life. And even now we experience the riches of Christ. And then, and then if you were to take verse 11, um, Jesus became hated so that we could become loved by the Father and that God might delight in us even though we deserve the penalty, Jesus took the penalty for us. And so, um, so Jesus is so much of a better pursuit than just wisdom by itself. When we pursue after Christ, we find, like Colossians says, all the treasures of wisdom in him. We experience uh, healing. We experience the, the things here to the utmost degree. In Christ, he's won it on our behalf. And it's not just probably we're going to experience, but it is actually, you know, we get to experience promises in Christ. Um, he's won that for us. And we get to live in the Father's delight. And so I, I don't know where you're at today, um, but if you're coming in here and you, you're going, oh, man, I'm not a wise person. I'm actually... I'm actually pretty foolish in a lot of areas of my life. By the way, that's me. I have a lot of foolish areas of my life. In fact, I don't know that I hang out with people and they go, that Dustin, he's a wise dude. That would be really cool, uh, but I've never heard that yet. Maybe behind my back, but I think probably more, more, more likely they go, man, that Dustin, uh, what an idiot. Man, he does love Jesus. And I'm trying to grow in these ways of wisdom because I know that there's good consequences for it. But the fact is that, that we and you, all of us, can live in light of the cross, in, a, in light of Christ, as though we were the wisest people in the world because of what Christ has accomplished. And that's beautiful. So um, here's what's going to happen. Uh, next week, we're going to do Proverbs 4, and then we're done with our Proverbs series, all right? So come back next week, finish Proverbs with us. Um, I don't, we haven't talked about if there will be a Q&A at the end of that, but uh, we normally have that, so I'm sure that'll be there. Um, but we're going to work through that, and then we're done with this series. And uh, I think what we're, what we're hoping for as communicators, as, as preachers and teachers, we're fighting for your joy. Like, we want you to be thrilled by God and to be excited about what God is like and how he loves us. And the Proverbs help us to understand a little bit more of what God's like. And so we're hoping that over these next, or uh, that coming out of this series, that you'll pursue 
wisdom so that it will lead you to Christ and life from him. Let me pray for us. Father God, you're so good to us. Lord, we thank you that in the Proverbs you do reveal uh, ways that, that we should walk and, and that you do reveal that there's great reward in pursuing after you. But we thank you even more in Christ that the reward has been won on our behalf and we can live out of that for you. We thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus that he carried the penalty of our foolishness so that he might make us wise and wise to salvation and that it would carry through. We thank you, Lord, that even though Christ was, um, was crucified and sacrificed on our behalf, that he took that penalty for us that we can then live out of that and live life to the full. That the death that we deserve has been taken and the penalty has been paid so that way we can walk in newness of life into eternity. And thank you, Father, that, um, that God, you've made us rich. Lord, that, that with you, God, every, everything else just is a side thing, a side benefit. But God, apart from you, nothing is, is beneficial like it should be. Lord, that in you we find, we find life and peace and riches and sleep and rest for our souls and all those kinds of things that this text would point to as, as leading to the result of wisdom. Um, Father, I pray for each one in here, Lord, that you would be working in their hearts, that you would draw people to yourself through these scriptures, that, that people would see and love you, Lord, that they would find joy in pursuing after you. God, I pray that for all of us. We love you. Thank you for your goodness. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.